When you wake up in the morning and check your phone, does it feel like this or like this? Because with Shopify, your morning can feel like this way more often. That's the sound of a sale being made on your new Shopify store. And while client payments may require weeks or months of work, you can start generating a semi-passive income to grow your business by setting up a Shopify store all of your own. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your latest designs on shirts or bags or adding something totally different to your business, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. You can sell online, you can sell in person, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. With Shopify, you can set up your store in minutes and start selling immediately. And Shopify's award-winning support is there to help you as you go. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash freelance. That's all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash freelance to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash freelance or click the link in our show description and start waking up to this. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language. Order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. As soon as I switched and started branding myself as an agency name, even though like at the beginning I was by myself, it's crazy. Like all, all of a sudden the opportunities just started opening up. Hey there, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. The journey from freelancing to running your own agency comes with its own unique set of challenges. Challenges that Clay and I have both faced while building our own successful businesses. And on this show, we sit down with freelancers and agency builders like you for value-packed on-air coaching sessions with one focus. Taking your business from freelance to founder. We'd love to have you join us on the air for an upcoming episode. To learn how to get your free coaching sessions like the guests you hear on our show, visit freelancetofounder.com and click on the microphone icon. We are here and ready to help you take action in your business. On today's episode, we sit down with Amy Kuo, a former designer at Disney, who after finding her passion for branding and taking the leap into full-time freelance, is ready to grow her own agency. We talk about one of Amy's biggest hurdles, overcoming imposter syndrome, especially when trying to find new clients. And we strike some real gold toward the end of this episode with a way Amy and you can get out there and be yourself while building your business. It's a great episode, and we're going to get right into it after this quick break. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant, or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate 
easy, and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs. And did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. We're joined today by Amy Quo. Super excited to have her here, and uh, welcome, Amy, to the show. Thanks so much, Preston and Clay, for having me today. Yeah, absolutely. As always, we want to start off uh, just by learning a little bit about who you are and a little bit more about your business. Of course, Clay and I know a little bit about it, but for the listeners, tell us what you're working on, what kind of work you do, and uh, maybe how long you've been in business, that kind of thing. Yeah, sure. So I've had my own business uh, for about two years now. So I began my career working for the mouse down here in Orlando, Florida. For everyone outside Florida, that means working for Disney. <laughs> so I uh, worked in uh, design and then a little bit in the agency life and then went freelance two years ago, kind of out of necessity for, for a lot of personal reasons. So um, I started being more of a general freelancer. And then last year, I really discovered my heart and my niche for brand strategy and um, branding work specifically. And so since finding that niche, um, it's, I've gotten so much passion for my business and it's really taken off since then. I love that. What what first cued you into knowing that you were interested in, maybe it was like your first big project or something in branding. Why, why did you know you liked that? Yeah, I think it's something I knew I always loved. Um, even back in college and design school, you know, I knew that I loved um, kind of creating experiences. I didn't, I just love translating emotions into visuals and how visuals communicate emotions and seeing subconsciously and I just never knew how to describe that and what it meant. And then I realized it had a name called branding. I love that. It's funny how we all sort of find our, our passions or what we're good at or what we get excited about in the morning. I'm glad you have found yours. That's definitely a, a, a major win. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people can probably relate that. I think we all kind of stumble into what we're passionate about. You know, there's usually is some kind of eye-opening moment, but it's usually preceded by so many smaller moments that lead you there all along. Yeah, I agree. I'm really curious. Um, what 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 is the uh, kind of the biggest takeaway from from working? Just because your your experience at Disney, right? Like, what's kind of the biggest yes. takeaway you had from there? 
definitely branding and storytelling. Um, it was it was really interesting how Disney is so committed to creating immersive brand experiences, and that's why the company is so big is because they have created such a cohesive brand that's beloved by many across the globe. One of my roles that I was in the longest, uh, we worked with a lot of outside clients. And so we very often had to mesh their brand with the Disney brand. And there's very strict guidelines around that. Um, you know, how to, how to keep the two brands pure and, you know, very distinct from one another, but yet also kind of marry them. Um, in my case, it was for client events. So it was very eye-opening to me to realize Mickey Mouse has a defined red color and a defined yellow color for his pants and shoes. And there's things Mickey can and cannot do with another uh, client's brand. So that definitely taught me a lot about how important it is to have a brand, to maintain that. And that even when you get to be so big as Disney is, it's still so important to hold tightly onto that because that is the foundation of the company's success, in my opinion, is their loyalty to their brand and how masterfully they've really built it up over the decades. So Amy, you are the first of many guests that will be on this podcast uh, in this new format where we sort of give you our best advice to help you sort of move up that scale from freelancer to founder. And in that questionnaire, among many other things, we asked you first where you put yourself on a scale of one to 10, one being a freelancer, 10 being a founder. And uh, where you would like to be then in six to 12 months. And, and you told us that you were maybe a two on the scale right now, you know, uh, way closer to a freelancer doing most of the work yourself, if not all the work yourself, as well as running the business, but that you'd like to get maybe closer to a five, uh, splitting your time between actual creative work versus maybe managing a couple other teammates and kind of building and scaling a business. And so what I want to ask now to really get us started is what are some of the biggest hurdles that you are facing so far in your freelance business that, that sort of holds you back from getting from that two range to the five range in the next six to 12 months? So I think the real quick, I think the freelance and agency distinction is really unique and something I had to embrace. So I, I felt like for myself, I had to start calling myself a one woman agency versus a freelancer, because for me, that helped me to kind of embrace that I am running a business and that I have big goals and dreams to scale this into an agency. That's not to say freelancers are not running businesses as well. I think for me, I, for a time, used the term freelancer to say, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not focused. And it was when I said, hey, I am now a one woman branding agency that's hoping to grow into a many people branding agency. For me, that was a big shift. But yeah, I definitely am. Um, still on the kind of the freelancer um, side where, as you said, I am a one woman agency doing everything. And um, I would I would love to grow and have my own team someday and be able to lead people. So, um, Let, so let's pause. Let's pause real quick and we'll, we'll get we'll get back to um, what your biggest hurdle is at the time. But I think you've touched on something really interesting that I'm sure Clay has some thoughts on, too. But as you start to talk about yourself differently or think about yourself differently, you know, I saw Clay nodding his head. We're on video here. Um, obviously the listeners can't see that happening, but I can see Clay nodding his head when you're talking about like thinking and talking about yourself as an agency instead of a freelancer. I'm interested to hear what Clay has to say, and then I may have some thoughts to add as well. Well, yeah, you know, it's very interesting. The reason I was nodding my head is because I went through the exact same thing, right? So like when I started as a freelancer, I was marketing myself as Clay Mosley. 
Um, and I, it was just, it's interesting. I'm, Amy, I'm curious to see how it, it worked for you as soon as you switched, because as soon as I switched and started branding myself as an agency name, even though like at the beginning I was by myself, it's crazy. Like all, all of a sudden the opportunities just started opening up just organically. And it's, and it's, I don't know what it is. It's like the psychology of, Hey, I'm working with an individual versus an agency. So um, that was a big change for me. I know for sure. So it, it I'm, personally, I'm glad you kind of, you kind of pauses to talk about this point because it's, it's, it's a very interesting topic. Um, Amy, did you have a, like, kind of like a, uh, uh, kind of a, a swing there? It sounded like you did. Yeah, I did. I think for me, I think a lot of it was just how I viewed myself and how confident I was in what I was doing. And, um, you know, when I was calling myself a freelancer for a time, I, I actually had started saying I have my own uh, design business when I first started, but I really wasn't confident in what I was doing. I didn't have a focus. I didn't know what I was doing. Again, this is in 2018 when I first started and just, I, I spent a lot of that year um, dealing with some health issues because of the stuff I'd been through the year before. So I, I did a little bit of work, but I was like, I have a design business, I think, I don't know. And then as the months went on and 2019 began, um, I picked up more work, but I said, you know what, I, I'm just a freelancer. I'm not, internally, I was telling myself, I'm not confident in what I'm doing. I don't know if I can be good at this. I don't know if my agency or my business will even take off. And I'm just doing whatever money or whatever work I can to get the money. And then once I discovered, you know, hey, I have this passion for branding and brand strategy. Let me lean into my strengths and give this all I've got. Then I said, okay, I'm now a one woman branding agency. So for me, for me, I really think the opportunities picked up because I started to have that confidence in myself and I could talk to people about what I did. And I could say, hey, I'm passionate about branding and here's how I can help your business. And it was just so much easier to know what kind of clients I wanted, what kind of work I wanted to do, what opportunities were right for me and which ones weren't. And I think, I think it really was the confidence piece, honestly. And yeah, I think there can be maybe some legitimacy of sorts or some trust with saying you're an agency versus a freelancer, but I don't think that's the case because I've worked with so many amazing freelancers at Disney and at my agency job um, where, you know, I didn't perceive them any differently because they were freelancers. So I think it really comes down to, you know, why are you calling yourself a freelancer or an agency? You know, and are you doing so out of confidence? I believe you can be a freelancer and call yourself a freelancer with 100% confidence in that. And, and that will work just as well as someone like myself who had to make the switch to calling myself an agency to find that confidence. Yeah, I think on this show, we talk a lot about moving toward being a founder, right? And even our scale of like one to 10, I, I sort of hate because it puts freelancer like lower than a founder or lower than a business owner or an agent, a person running an agency. In reality, like there's good and bad to both. Um, and, and obviously, you know, there are a lot of people that prefer to be a one person freelancing operation and they just, they love that and they just really thrive in that space. This show, obviously given the name freelance to founder is about moving from being a freelancer to becoming more of a founder, running a business, building systems, focusing on sort of scaling up your freelance services. I, I love the distinction that you make mentally when you say I'm a freelancer versus I'm an agency because 
as a freelancer, a lot of times it's almost like you've just sort of built yourself another job. And again, some people thrive on that. They love that. They love just being hired, quote unquote, hired like by five or six people instead of hired by one person at a time. Um, but other people love building the systems and love building the business and scaling and hiring and, and figuring out all of the intricate pieces that have to go together to make a business run successfully. And I think until you convince yourself that that you're building more than just a job for yourself, you can't actually get over some of those those hurdles that you'll face. Yeah, definitely. I would definitely agree with that. I think this is a very interesting topic because, uh, you know, it's like the going from like marketing yourself as a freelancer versus a, uh, you know, an agency, even though, you know, if, even if you are a one person agency, um, I, it, this goes big into like imposter syndrome, I think. And totally does. Yeah. So, uh, for those of you that don't know imposter syndrome, it's like the, it's, you feel like you, like you're marketing yourself as, uh, someone who's able to do these things, but in or internally, you feel like you're not good enough, right? Like, it's just like, um, you know, and like, how I get, dare I call myself an agency when it's just me, right? Like, I that's it's dishonest or disingenuous or whatever. Yeah, oh gosh, yeah, yeah and so it's, true. And it's, I, I think it's, um, it, it's very interesting, you know, when when you said there was a big confidence shift from when you went from freelancer to one woman agency um how like just the psychology behind that and i i went through the same thing too it's like when i started marketing myself as an agency even though on paper like that was the only difference like there was nothing else different at least for me but i had i had such more uh an, an abundance of confidence uh, whenever I was doing sales and, and marketing. So I think this is very interesting. Like everybody has imposter syndrome. I don't care who you are uh, at some point. Um, but I, I think this is just one aspect or, or, or one uh, key point, especially when you're talking about freelancer in, in, in this industry. I'd love to, I'd love to take the next step now to, to get back to that idea of hurdles. Thanks for letting me take sort of a sidetrack. I appreciate your, your, both of your comments on, on that. And I, I want to really focus now, make sure we dedicate enough time of this episode to the biggest hurdle, or maybe a couple of the biggest hurdles that you're facing, Amy, as you're, as you're trying to uh, grow your freelance business, or I should say your agency, as you're trying to grow your agency uh, into what you want it to be. What, what's a hurdle that you're facing that perhaps we can help you with? Yeah. So I think the biggest hurdle is weird because it's a, it's a good thing, but also a bad thing. So um, I'm a part of a paid Facebook group. Um, and so it's, it's part of a academy of sorts for women entrepreneurs. And because it is a paid, it's a paid academy, we have access to the members only Facebook group, which, you know, kind of adds a little bit more, um, I, I guess, trust in a sense. We all know that we've paid good money to be there. And we all know that we're serious about our businesses. And so I have gotten most of my branding clients in the past two years, um, all, but, all but maybe a handful from this one group, which is great because it's clearly working for me really well. But I also feel like I have a lot of eggs in that one basket. So I think my biggest hurdle is, you know, I'm trying to build my network locally. I really don't enjoy networking in person. I'm sure everybody can relate to that. I hate going to networking events and never really feel like I fit in. 
um, with, with a lot of like chamber of commerce kind of networking events. You know, so far all of my clients are coming from this one source, which I feel is pretty risky. It, I would say it is slightly on the risky part because um, you are going to exhaust that network at some point, I think. Mm -hmm. This is my opinion. I'm sure Preston's got some takes on this. Um, one of the things that I would do, and this is what I kind of, I tell my clients is there, there's three things that you can do. Um, one of them is called network of 90. One of them is called list of 20 and one of them is called gang of five. So what your network of 90 is, it's a list of 90 people that, uh, if you were to, to see them in a grocery store, like these people would stop and have a good chat with you. Right. So it's just people that you know and people that know you. And so I think it's good to, to sit down and see if you can fill up a list of these 90 people, right? And, and, and the whole point of, of the list of 90 is to constantly be in communication with these people. It could be text messages, it could be calls, it could be email marketing, it could be social media, right? But it's a minimum of 90. Um, you, you may have well above that, but you would be surprised how many people don't. Um, the other thing is a list of 20. So a list of 20 or 20 people that you do not know. Uh, you have not met this person, but they are 20 strategic people that you want to know at some point. You want it to meet and get to know. And I think it's good to always have this list of 20. So like, let's just say you have this uh, list and one of these people you meet, you get to know, they come off of your list of 20 and then you should replace that person with another person, right? So that should always be a list of 20 people that, hey, these are some high, you, typically it's usually like high level people um, that could give you business. They can be uh, either what I call distribution channel, people that send you business but don't expect anything back. Or they could be a, uh, the third thing I'm talking about is gang of five. They could be a referral partner. So gang of five is, is good. And the gang of five, I think, is the, the most um, difficult to develop. Uh, it's five people. It's a circle of five people who they all share your target market. Uh, but you guys don't compete with each other. You, comp you could complement each other. Um, or you can be in completely different industries, but you have the same market. So I think having those things, the network of 90, um, the list of 20 and the gang of five and, and continuing continuously, like, uh, uh, keeping up with those lists, I think is going to be key into not exhausting your network. Preston. Well, I'm just curious. I, I mean, I think that strategy, I, I, I didn't know the numbers, but I've been sort of working on working with that strategy for a long time sort of unknowingly and it certainly pays off um, particularly that that the middle group the 20 like that can be a really impactful way to grow your business just by connecting with people and trying to add value to their business first um, a lot of there's a lot of back scratching that happens you know after uh, after you reach out and add value to someone else's business so I think that's a huge opportunity I am curious though, like what, how Amy feels when she says to us, like, I'm not much of a networker. I don't like to network. Um, and then we say, you know, go out and make sure you have 90 people, 20 people, five people like Amy, what's going through your mind in terms of, of Clay's advice, which I think is great. I'm curious if you feel like that's something you could implement or where your head's at on that. 
Yeah, I think that's great. I've never heard um, of those three things before. And yeah, I've been, I was taking notes while you were talking, Clay, because I would love to implement that and do that. Yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's challenging. It's intimidating, which means it's something I should tackle um, for sure. Um, I'm curious, though, when you say, you know, list of 20, gang of five, are those people that you have to know in person? Uh, no, it doesn't have to be in person. It all depends on, on the business too, right? So like uh, for you, it sounds like you do a, a good portion of your business online. So it, it makes sense, right? If, you're, if your target market is spent, if they are majority online, if they're spread across the country or internationally, right? Then it makes more sense to, to try to do that online. If you, like someone who does what you do could easily be very local, very local, um, then for someone like that, like then it makes sense to be like, okay, maybe the CEO of the Chamber of Commerce should be on my list of 20. Um, and I should know that person in person, right? Okay, That's such a good sense. question though. And I, yeah, I agree. Um, and I, and actually, I think, you know, again, this all depends on your business, but talking about your business, Amy, because that's what we're here to talk about specifically, I, I think it could actually hurt you and hurt some businesses to only focus on people that you'd ever have a chance of meeting in person. Like, for example, Clay and I have become good friends. We've never met in person, but like we have similar ideals about how businesses should be run and how you should treat people and lots of different things. Um, but we, so we sort of have gravitated toward one another, uh, despite having never met in person, not growing up together. Like we have really no, no background, no history together, uh, that goes very deep, but, but we do like, we, we get along. And so we've made a nice connection, particularly a business connection where we can work together well. Um, so I think, I think limiting yourself locally just to, you know, based on geography alone could actually inhibit your business in some ways if you're not. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's so interesting because I've, I really honestly have never heard people talk about networking digitally as well as locally. Obviously, you know, none of us want to say no, don't, network locally, but I really only ever heard it in the context of that. And so, yeah, that's definitely something I would like to do more of. And I am starting to do more of this year than I did last year, but um, it's, it's really cool to hear because yeah, especially, you know, the creative entrepreneur space is so online based. Like all of my clients are all over the country. So many of these great relationships I have online are all over. I think I really only have one creative friend, one design friend in Orlando outside of those I used to work with at Disney. Um, only, only one friend who has her own business here in Orlando with me. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So it makes a lot of sense to keep building those networks because yeah, as you said, so much of the business that we do nowadays is digital. Yeah. And, and if you think too about like sort of the, the less common or unorthodox lifestyle that you're living in terms of, of working from home and sort of building your own, I mean, really just building your own business. Like, yeah, there's lots of us around the country and around the world, but really, I don't know about you guys, most of my friends and most of my family, the people I see in the grocery store, the people I go to church with, like they, most of them work a regular, quote unquote, regular desk job um, and have no idea the kinds of things that I'm going through day to day to build a business. Um, and most, so most of the, the helpful connection in terms of business that I get don't get me wrong, those people are super important in my life in other ways. But most of the important business help that I get come from people who I've connected with online because there's just such a, a greater opportunity and community online in, in the business sphere, for sure. I agree with you. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, I get that too. You know, what's so funny is uh, in this in this digital age is I, I I'm the same with you, Preston. Um, the the all the the people I interact with from a business perspective, uh, I I the conversations are initiated online. Uh, there's so many people I have uh, met in person, and it, it's usually at like a conference. But what's funny is it, it allows you to skip the handshake and go straight for a hug right? Because you already know these people and, and, and it's the first time you've met them. It's just kind of funny. It's interesting. Yeah. I, I've had that experience actually with a, a guy named Nick Loper. He runs a, a podcast called The Side Hustle Show and a blog that's all about building a side hustle. He and I connected online and um, sort of became friends online for a long time. What was cool though was one, one, one time when he came to my city, he, you know, he knew I lived here. We'd never met. He was like, Hey, we should meet up and, you know, get a drink or something. And we, so we, we finally met up in person. It was, it was fantastic. And I've had that experience with quite a few different people that I've met online. Um, but I can think recently of, of that interaction with Nick and we already had sort of this, this background together. We knew each other quite a bit and we were able to dive into some pretty cool conversations. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of cool. Amy, I'm curious if, uh, if you have, uh, experienced that kind of, that kind of thing, you know, so like in, in business, not, not just friends, right. But like in, in where you have, um, you've gotten to know someone, but you've met somebody in, uh, in person eventually, right. You know, it could be at a conference or something. Um, and business has developed from there. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it was kind of the other way around, actually. So this, uh, this network group I'm a part of, um, the clients that I had had uh, were not, so they, they host a conference every year. And so I went in October for the first time. That was actually my first, I think it was my first professional conference I've ever attended. So that was, that was so much fun for me. And so the clients that I had were not able to attend, but I met other women at this conference. And um, it was just so cool to have this camaraderie of, you know, we're all, you know, we're all women building our own businesses, all at different stages. You know, some people had built, you know, several, you know, several six figure digit, whatever, you know, super successful. And then there's women who just have dreams and are starting out and we can all relate to that and share that. And then, yeah, we continued a lot of those relationships online. So for me, I think it was more the other way around, but that was also because I didn't have a social media presence at that time, but I have since grown that and begun that. And yeah, like I said, all of my clients are digital. Um, I don't think I've met too many of my clients in person, just a few of them. And I just feel like we're friends. So I think definitely you can build that uh, friendship and that relationship, you know, because we can relate to what it's like to growing a business online and digital and working from a home office or something all day, every day with nobody but the dog to talk to, you know, it's, it's really, it's really fun to kind of have that shared connection that um, some of our connections, like you said, Preston, some of our dearest friends and family in real life just can't entirely relate to. Exactly. I'm curious, you know, coming back to what started this all, which was you, you talking about this hurdle of having sort of this very close network that you've been getting clients from, but how do you, how do you branch out more from that, right? That's what stemmed this whole conversation about networking. Uh, I guess, what, what is it so far that has been keeping you from branching out from that initial group? Like, obviously, it sounds like you're getting a fair amount of decent work from that paid Facebook group that you're a part of. What, what is actually holding you back from maybe branching out and, and 
trying to look for other ways to find new clients? I think, I think for me, I think a lot of it had to do with the imposter syndrome we mentioned earlier. Um, especially in the earlier days of my business, I didn't know exactly what I was doing. I was, you know, my husband and I were just telling people in our uh, community, Hey, Amy's doing this design business. She can help you with your logo or graphic design, which is great and all, but that doesn't really give anybody any really tangible impression of what I do and how I can help them. Um, and doesn't really inspire confidence in what I do. So I think that was a lot of how the earlier days went for me. And yeah, I, th I think it's also, I think it's also a little bit of that feeling of not fitting in. Um, you know, I, I've been to a few professional networking events um, in my area, but I usually prefer the young professionals because I just feel like I'm, I can fit in with them. You know, I'm 28, um, you know, don't have kids. So I feel like I still fit in with the young professional crowd. I, I think because running an online business is so unique and has its own sets of challenges, I think it's a feeling of, I don't know that I would fit in in a traditional show up in your best suit and tie environment. I mean, I went to a networking thing last week and I wore, you know, a striped top and a, you know, I don't know what you call it, an Instagram-y style hat. You know, I looked very creative <laughs> and because everyone else, that's, that's how we all dressed. And I felt really comfortable with that. But I think, to be frank, a lot of it has been my own fear, um, some anxiety of just putting myself out there and putting myself in situations where I might not feel fit, I might not feel like I fit in, or I might be the youngest person in the group by far. And that's okay. That doesn't mean I'm less legitimate of a business if I'm meeting with folks who are older and more established than myself and who have very different businesses than I do. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of imposter syndrome happening, which like Clay said, everybody experiences. I've experienced, I still experience it all the time. Um, and and that, can be, that can be an extremely difficult hurdle to overcome. Even more, you know, way more, I think, than way more difficult than, you know, talking to more people or reaching out to more people online. Like that, the idea of overcoming this, anxiety or fear about I'm not good enough or I'm not uh, advanced enough or I'm not experienced enough or I'm not smart enough like there's all of these fears that swirl around in your mind particularly when you go to a, a like a networking event that you weren't that excited about maybe in the first place because it was going to be all like suits and older people and um, different industries and that kind of thing so I, I guess I'd love to hear obviously Clay's advice um, one piece of advice I would have is is like networking doesn't have to be the, the um, you know, corporate carpet tiles, uh, uh, neon lights, chamber of commerce, it doesn't have to be the stereotypical networking event. You know, there, there are lots of other in-person networking opportunities, but, and, and like we've mentioned, there are way more online networking opportunities too, that you can just be yourself. And that little glimpse that you got of that when you were in, with the young professionals and you were wearing your hat and your striped shirt, uh, you, can, you can get that even more online where you can find your people, your tribe, people who get you and who you don't feel like you have to impress or you don't have to be like overqualified to be allowed to talk to them and that kind of thing. So I think there's both opportunities in person and online to just be yourself. And, and honestly, the more you can do that, I think the more your networking will flourish because, um, you know, there are people who won't like who you are. Honestly, if I'm being completely truthful, there will be people who That's just true. don't. Yeah, for sure. you're, yeah it, like you Nothing just don't jive. <laughs> but yeah. but there will be 
lots and lots of people, probably more people that do like you for your authenticity and like you for who you are. And so you lean into that and you take advantage of that and you forget the rest and you don't worry about if they accept you or if they think you're good enough or any of that. Yeah, that's great advice. I, I would say um, you have to be careful about falling into this trap uh, about going places where you're comfortable um, because it all, it all just depends. It all depends on that's true. where your ideal client and target market hang out. Right. Because if, if, and, and maybe, maybe the young entrepreneur type people are, maybe those are the ones that do pay you, right. Those, maybe that is your target market. Um, I, I kind of got into that trap too, where it's like, okay, uh, when I first started, I was hanging out with the, with the, the young entrepreneurs group. Um, but then I finally realized that it was not them that were my ideal client. It was the, it was the people in, in super professional uh, clothing, which by the way, you should go on the Milo.co homepage and scroll down, find my picture and click on that article <laughs> because it's about, it's about like I wore a t-shirt to all of these events um, and, and it was my branding. And so I, I would almost encourage you to go dress casually in, in a room full of suits because you stick out and I think in a good way especially with this industry, because you're a creative, I think it's almost expected. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, it is. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's marketing, right? It's like, how do you get someone's attention? Well, that's a really good way of getting someone's attention and not blending in with everyone else. Right. Um, the fact that the difference is you got to walk into the room with confidence wearing that shirt or whatever it is that you're wearing. Right. Um, but yeah, I, going oh, back on, to you know, the, it's the, you know, it's the hat that gives the confidence, Clay. It's not the shirt, <laughs> right, Amy? The hat. My, exactly. My the exactly. Hat. <laughs> um, but yeah, going to my point, I, I would, I would be careful about, about hanging out in places where you're hanging out with the wrong audiences, um, just because it's comfortable and, and it's very easy for people to, to get stuck in that trap. That's such a great point. Such a great point. Are you talking about the article where I think it was on Milo where somebody had said they wore a shirt that had like their title copywriter or developer yes. on the front? Is that what you're talking about? Cause I totally did that. I forgot. I completely forgot. I definitely took that advice and did that. I went to this conference and I printed t-shirts super cheap online that said brand strategy and design. And I had two or three shirts so I could not wear the same shirt for three days in a row. And I did it and it was so much fun. And people knew what I did and what I offered. Yeah, it's perfect. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> I yeah. love that. Yeah. Clay built like a 20 plus person agency on the backbone of that strategy. Like obviously yeah. he did tons of other amazing stuff, but it's that funny. Was a, it's a it's funny because the, the shirts that I printed out were not branded at all. It had, my logo was not on there at all. And, and as I grew my team, my team was like, I want one of those shirts. And all it said was web designer or social media uh, manager or whatever. And so like it, it, it became, it was just like this bizarre thing. Every, every time someone saw a black t-shirt with white letters across the chest, they knew instantly that it was my company, even though there was no branding on it. And so That's that awesome. created the brand, so. Yeah, it's genius. Yeah, it's, it's really genius. It's a fantastic example of like networking in non-traditional ways. Like, Again, I hate that I hate that that word networking has turned into like this very bland, almost dreadful, like none of us like the idea of traditional networking, but it can really be a lot of fun. And 
incredibly beneficial to your business if you can sort of go about it your own way. And to Clay's point, like you, you stand out, um, you know, instead of trying to blend in, stand out. Yeah. Which I think is awesome because then that way, you know, I, or, you know, whoever else implements this, you know, it's, it's a way of making sure that I'm working with folks that I connect with that I relate to. If, you know, if I'm not the right personality for some people, that's okay. I am perfectly okay with that. You know, if someone's a potential client and we're just not going to click, it's probably better that they find someone that they click with and vice versa. And then that I am working with people that are really on my same level and we get each other and are passionate about the same things. And we, you know, speak the same language metaphorically and yeah, because of non-traditional networking. Yeah, definitely. I think we'll maybe wrap the episode with that thought and we'd love to check back in with you uh, maybe in a couple of months, Amy, and see how that's gone. You know, we'll encourage you over the next couple months to give that a shot. Try some unique sort of networking tactics that are very specific to your style and to your creativity and, and just who you are. Give some of those a shot, whether it's the t-shirt thing, whether it's something online, whether it's a mix of all of that. Um, and then in a couple months, we'd love to check back in with you if that's okay and hear how those things have gone and, and what successes or more hurdles you've faced. It's probably going to be a mix of both. Would that be all right? Yeah, I'd love that. Awesome. Freelance the Founder is a production of Milo. You can discover more business building resources for freelancers at millo.co. And you can learn more about Clay's business and level up your entrepreneurial skills by visiting getdripify.com. Freelance the Founder is distributed by The Podglomerate. You can check out their other great podcast at thepodglomerate.com. And the theme music was produced by Joaquin Carud. You can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or by searching freelance to founder in your favorite podcast player. We'd love to have you join us on an upcoming episode. To learn more, visit freelancetofounder.com. That's all for this week's episode. Until next time, keep up the hard work and we'll see you soon. See ya.